This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, good evening, first we just want to invite everyone again to the Shabbaton and Mitzvah Hashem. Um, we don't have that many rooms left, honestly. Um, so if you're going to do it, you got to go to 1718 O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Um, and the Mitzvah Hashem, it's very exciting. We have like six or seven shurim going on at one time. Pretty much the whole Shabbos, um, all night, ask the rabbi. We have fantastic entertainment, Matzi Shabbos. We have, of course, very good food. It's a beautiful hotel. Um, it's the Sheraton Parsippany. And uh, we'd love everyone to come. It's really a Shabbos for for girls, for women, for families. Um, we haven't done it in three years. I don't know when the next time we're going to do it. So if you think we're going to, you, you know, I won't go this year, but I'll go next year. I don't know. Anyway, Mashiach will be here by then, for sure. So it's a little bit scary, because this week's Pasha Shmos, and it says in Pasha Shmos that by Yaakov Melachadosh, there's going to be a new king. And we're reading that on Shabbos, and the president of the United States is becoming president on Friday. By Yaakov Melachadosh, a new king. The problem is that the second part of the public says, I shall loyodaz Yosef. The king forgot all about Yosef. So, I was talking last night, everyone thinks that Trump is our savior. Oh, Eretz Yisrael, Yushalayim is going to become the, the center, and this and that, and the son was Jewish, and that and that. The worst thing that a Jew can think is that there's someone in the, in the politics of the nation that's going to help you. At the end of the day, that was the mistake we made with Esther Hamalka. We thought that Esther Hamalka is going to be in the kingdom and that's going to save us. And in the end, that's Tamaki invited Haman to her party. So it's a little bit of a test, I think, on us and that we, we have to realize that Lev Malachi Biyad Hashem. The hearts of kings are in the hands of God. And therefore, at the end of the day, Trump, not Trump, Obama, Clinton, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who the king or queen is. It's really up to Akash So Lay your hopes in God, not in not in a president or a vice president. All right, that's this week's parsha. So we're going to talk tonight about the making of a leader. His name was Moshe Rabbeinu. His name was not Rabbeinu Moshe. It was Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbi. How does one become? Um, how does one become a Moshe Rabbeinu? How does one become a leader? So. It started when he was very, very young. It's a very interesting picket Rabbi Yezer. And the picket Rabbi Yezer says that when Batya came down to the Nile, so she had leprosy. She had Tsaras. Why did she have Tsaras? Because because Baruch Hu Plagued Paro when Sarah Imenu was taken by Paro, right? So, Hakosh Baruch and let's see where it is. Um, it is in Bereshis. In Bereshis, I believe it's in 
when he took her by force. Yeah. So they took my two kachayish base paro. They took her to base to the paro by Yenaga Hashem is paro. Nigam Yudayim. Al devas Sarah Eishes Avram. So he tried to touch uh, um, Sarah, and he was plagued, and his whole household was plagued with Saras, and therefore every king after him had Saras, and she was the daughter of Paro. Talk about that, but she had Saras. So she went to the Nile because she could not bathe in hot water. Because if you're a leper, hot water is very painful. Actually, water is very painful, but cool water is not as painful. So she said, he says the following. She had terrible leprosy, terrible skin. She couldn't take a hot shower. She couldn't go in a hot spring. So she went to the Nile. And she saw a young baby, a young boy crying. Now there is a Dvatayra on this. You need to mention on Shabbos at the table. It is so beautiful. So the question is like this. When she came down, it says the following. She opened up the basket and she saw the baby. And there was a young man crying. That doesn't make any sense. She opened it up and it was a baby. But there was a young man crying. He wasn't a young man, he was a baby. You called him a yeled, now you call him a nar. What she looked at was a yeled, but what was crying was a nar. Now you could say that Moshe Rabbeinu's voice was a mature voice, but that would be a mum. So that can't be. It would be a blemish. He didn't have a baby that had a man's voice. That would not, that's not what happened here. It's a very, I don't know who says it, it's a very beautiful Dvatayr. And he says, and then she said, He must be a Jew. Now, most people learn this, that when she saw that the baby had a bris mila, so she said, it must be a Jew. But every baby had a bris mila in Mitzrayim. Since Yosef's time, even the Egyptians had to have a bris mila. So finding a baby with a circumcision did not mean that they're Jewish. And here it says that she opened it up, a boy was crying, right? She had pity, and she said, it's a Jew, how did you know it was a Jew? So the shot is beautiful. Who was the boy? It wasn't Moshe. It was Aaron. And that Aaron was standing at the side of the water with Miriam. And when he saw the Egyptian princess take his brother... He realized he's going to lose his brother. She's going to take him. They're going to send him to public school. They're going to bring him up in the worst, in the worst castle in the world. So he started crying. My brother is being taken by the princess. So Batya said, if this young boy is crying over his brother, it must be a Jew. That, that one is crying over what's happening to his brother, that is a Jewish trait. And therefore, the Pusik now makes sense. She opened up the basket, she saw a baby. She heard her now crying. She said, oh wow, this kid must be a Jew. If his brother on the, sea, on the side is crying, 
a non-Jew would not be crying at this point. He'd be like, wow, the, the princess of Egypt just took my brother. He's going he's gonna to live in a big house with maids and servants and, 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 and sports cars and, and chariots. And wow, it's great. This kid is crying. If this kid is crying because his brother's being taken, then he must be a Jew. So the lesson that we learn from here is the Jews of B'nai Rachmanim, that we have pity on our brothers. What we're supposed to anyway. All right. But anyway, so she comes down to the Nile and she touches the baby. What happens? She sends out her hand and she touches the baby. And when she grabs him, she totally becomes healed. The minute she touched Moshe, all her leprosy, all her skin diseases, everything went away. Amazing? Amazing. This kid must be something very special. Okay, now, says the Tikune Hazoya, when Basparo touched Moshe Rabbeinu, and she became and she became healed. Miyad immediately this Moshe. The baby became full of leprosy and diseased skin. So she touched him and got better, but now she got him sick. So the Zaya says that when she touched him, she got better. Now Moshe Rabbeinu had Saras. For how long did he have Saras, ladies? How long did it take for him to get rid of that Saras? 80 years. He suffered from leprosy for 80 years. Okay? How do we know that? The lightest rabbi Moshe Mitzarosoy. He didn't get better. Till God revealed himself in the burning bush. Take your shoes off. Make sure your feet, the skin of your feet, touches the ground. What was that ground? Where was he standing on? Harsinai. That's where the bush was. And when he took his, his shoes off and his feet touched the ground, Osnes Rapa Moshe. His whole body became healed. Therefore, if Moshe was a Tsaras when he was three months old, because that's when she touched him. He was in the basket, he was three months old. And at the time that Hashem spoke to Moshe by the bush, he was 80 years old. That means that he had Tsaras for 80 years. Now, how do you know that the bush that, that standing on the ground healed him? Because one of the three signs that God said to him to show Paro that he's a, a messenger of God, he said, put your hand in your, in your jacket, right? And take it out. He made Saras. Now, if he still had Saras, he wouldn't have to put his hand in his shirt to make it turn into Saras. So it seems to me that when Hashem spoke to him and told him to do this sign, he didn't have Saras anymore. And that was right after he stood by the bush. So we know that the bush healed him. I spoke a lot. I gave my share last night. Then we talked about it after that for hours. What's going on over here? What are you giving a little kid leprosy? What's going on over here? And if I can heal you, if someone touches me and they get healed, I am surely healed. If I have the power to heal someone else, I surely have the power to heal myself. So what happened over here? She touched him. She became healed. And he got saras. If he has the power to heal her, then he has the power to heal himself. 
What, what's going on over here? Why would Hashem give him Taraz for 80 years? I mean, we don't have leprosy, but if you Google leprosy, if you look at the boils and the stuff that lepers have, they even have sometimes it's so bad that limbs of their body fall off. Fall off, fingers fall off, arms fall off. Read it, what Taras is in a leper colony. Shabbat had Taras. Why would Hashem do that? So to be a leader, to be a leader of Klai Yisrael, you have to be willing that sometimes when you heal someone else, you're going to get hurt. You have to be willing to get hurt to heal someone else. We see this by the Paraduma. The Paraduma, the Kohen, who's Tahar, who's pure, sprinkles the ashes on the Tame person. The Tame person becomes pure, and the Kohen becomes Tame. And Rashi says that the Goyim and the Satan will always bother the Jews about the Paraduma. And every time I teach Chukas, I'm like, girls, the last time the Yitzhahara came into your mind and said, hey, what's up with Paraduma? I mean, he's got a lot of other things he wants you to do that are bad. Who ever thought in their head, like, they were in the middle of Davini Mincha, and all of a sudden they had this thought, like, what's with the Paraduma? The Sultan doesn't talk to us about the Paraduma. Was the last time you went to college or in class or at work, and a guy walked over to you and said, you're Jewish? Yeah. What's up with the red heifer? What's up with the Paraduma? Nobody ever asked me that. All the years they do business with non-Jews, they ask me, what's this? What's that? Why do you do this? Why do women do that? They have a million questions. No one ever came up to me and said, Rabbi Wallstein, you rabbi? Yeah, you got this red cow. Like, what is the deal? So Rashi says that all the generations, that's what's going to happen. But it's not true. It's hard to never bothers you about Paraduma. He wants you to go to the movies. He wants you to do a lot of other things. I'm talking about Paraduma. And Goyim never asked you about Paraduma. That's the last, that's, they don't even know about it. So what is Rashi saying? Rashi's saying that all the time the Goyim and the Satan will bother you about one thing. And I, I, I was late tonight and I apologize. I apologize for being late. But I had to go to two psych wards today. And to visit girls. And the, the last one was in LIJ, which was, and I ended up in a lot of traffic on the Bell Parkway. And the question that the friends who are visiting the girl in their mind, these are great girls, is why? She's a Tzadikistan. Why is she suffering? The biggest question that the human being has is why do good people suffer? You know, so, 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 you know, when people die and they're, they're, they're so pure and they're, and they're, they're the good people, so everyone says, God goes in his, in his, in his, in his rose garden and he picks out the perfect, you know, the person who's not a mum because a carbon is not allowed to have a blemish. So he picks out the person who has no blemish. So people are thinking in their mind, I don't want to be perfect. I don't want to go in a rose garden and pick me, so I'll do a couple of errors. Right? And that's the answer that people give, like, you know, what, it's a question that Moshe Rabbeinu, Davon HaMelech, Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu understood everything. He said, Hashem, why do good people suffer? Show me your face, God. Show me reason. That's Hashem's face. Show me your face. Hashem said, I'll never show you my face. You had a chance by the bush. You turned away. So from that time on, he, he, he turned away. He couldn't look at Hashem. So I'll show you my back. My back is, you'll see what I do, but you won't understand why I do it. So, 
Para Aduma is a representation of the good Kayan. He's a good guy. I'm a Kayan. Right? So, Kahanim, to be in the Beit Hamigdash, we only were in the Beit Hamigdash for a Mishmar, a, a certain amount of time, two weeks or four weeks. A short amount of time, because there's a lot of Kohanim. Like, you're waiting for that the whole year to go into the Beit Hamigdash, you're a Kayan. That's your Avaidah. The rest of the year, you're a Rebbe, you teach. You don't have land, you don't have money. Right? Cohen's not allowed to have land, he's not allowed to have property, he's not a businessman, he sits and teaches, and those, that Mishma, when he goes with his Mishma, his family, his group, he's in heaven. Now, there are some Kohanim that have to do the Paraduma. So here I am, Rabbi Wallstein, I should have this close, come to the base of Megdash, I made sure I'm Tahar, made sure I didn't touch anything that's Tameh, went to the mikvah, waited the day, did everything I had to, I'm perfect, I'm ready. I'm going to the base of Midrash, I'm going to see the Shekhinah, I'm going to do the Avoidah, I'm psyched. I get there, and the Kohen Gadol says, Wildstein, this person here is Tameh, go sprinkle some ashes on him. Huh? Then I become Tameh. I, I didn't wait this long to become Tameh. You got to do it, because otherwise we can't make this guy tar. So, the Kohen, who's not much Shabbat, but he's a Kohen, he's a representation of a leader, he's a, a worker for Kleisrael, if he's not willing to accept that he should become Tomei to sacrifice everything he stands for in life to make someone Tahar, can't do that either. So Rashi is saying that yes, the Satan and the Goyim are going to ask you about Paraduma. What they're going to ask you is, I don't understand the good guy, the good guy ends up Tomei and the bad guy ends up Tahar. This is not fair. As they say in Israel, the low fear. The mamash low fear. Mamash the low no fear. Not fair. And that talk of the Sultan bothers you all the time. I finally changed. I finally did tshuva. And now everything in my life is going wrong. Why? Why? When I was a bad guy, my business was great. When I was open on Shabbos, I was making millions. Now I closed on Shabbos, I just lost my business. What's going on over here? Tadik Viraloi. And that happens a lot. This was a lesson that Moshe Rabbeinu learned at three months. You just helped this woman. You just took away her whole disease and now you have it for 80 years. When did Hashem take it away? When Hashem made him the leader of Israel. Now you don't need it anymore. You understand what it means to suffer your whole life, 80 years. For a long time to suffer so that someone else doesn't. You're willing to take her peckle and carry her peckle your whole life so that she doesn't. Moshe Rabbeinu learned this at three months. And therefore he had to suffer with her, with her, Tsaras, for 80 years. How many of us are willing to take the backpack, the, the, the pain of another person, if we know that by taking their pain, we're going to get it. It's a very hard, it's very nice to take someone's pain, but don't, don't give it to me. You know what I'm saying? I'll take it off their back, I'll take care of them, but don't give it to me. It's amazing, it's amazing. And that was the first part of his, of his chinuch, of becoming a leader, and you don't see it anywhere that he complains about it. The becoming a leader is that his mother, we're not going to say his mother, got cured and he was walking around. And on top of that, he had, he had saras, he couldn't talk, 
He had a burnt tongue. He lisped. He stuttered. He could not talk. He was brought up outside of his house. He was brought up by Batya in the in Mitzrayim, in the worst place in the world. He didn't know if he's an Ish Mitzri or an Ish Ivri. He comes out. He tries to be good with the Jews. He, he saves this Jew from the Mitzri. Then they go rat on him to Paro. Paro tries to kill him. He runs away. He ends up, you don't even know this, he ends up being the king of Cush, of Ethiopia. Then Bilam's son makes a rebellion, throws Moshe out. He's on the run. He ends up in Midian. Right? He ends up in Midian. Nobody knows him. He has nobody there. He comes to a rock that's on a well. And the, the guys that over there are a bunch of ruffins, a bunch of criminals, and they're bothering all the girls. He stands up and protects the girls, rolls the rock off, gives them the water. They go running home to their father. Oh my God. He says, why are you home so early? Usually you don't get home so early because nobody rolls the rock off, right? So they have to wait until everybody gets together. He, they say, there's an Ish Mitzri. They call him an Ish Mitzri, right? He got punished because he represented a Mitzri, not an Ivri. And there's an Ish, he, he say, he just saved us from all these bad guys. So you would think a guy like that would, would reward him. Just save my seven daughters, right? He takes him, according to the Machlech, he says, we put him in a dungeon for seven years, or we put him in a dungeon for ten years. So Mesh is getting a lesson as a leader that no good deed goes unpunished. He, sa- he, he saves a Jew, they, try, they, they rat Paro, they try to kill him. Now he saves a guy's seven daughters, he throws him in a dungeon to kill him. No food. Why? Because now that he found out he was running away from Paro, Yisro actually ran away from Paro. And Paro didn't come after him. Now he's saying, oh my gosh, Moshe, the prince of Egypt, this guy ran away from Paro. Now Paro's going to come looking for him. He's going to send soldiers looking for him. It's his son. He adopted him as a son. So he'd throw him in a dungeon. He'd he'll be dead. No one will know. It'll be a secret. And even if the Egyptians come, yeah, check out my house. I don't have anything. So he got a lesson. As a leader, many times you're going to do someone a favor, you're going to get whacked. Yeah. Many times you do people good stuff, and not only, you don't, don't appreciate, don't say thank you, but don't attack me. Don't hurt me. I was there for you. So he learned that lesson very early. He learned that lesson very early. And then, I mean, just if you study who Moshe Rabbeinu was, he's out in the desert because he wants to get away from people. He didn't do well with people. He never did well with people. The Jews tried to kill him. The, his father-in-law tried to kill him. He didn't get along with them. He said, you know what? I'm going to go into the desert. There's no people. I'll be left alone. Shalom Aleichem. It's like Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu wanted to rest. Vayeshev Yaakov. Shalom Aleichem. You want to rest? There goes Yosef. You're not resting. Shabbat. I went into the desert. Leave me alone. I'm with my sheep. Have a good day. No humans. And there's a bush burning. And Hashem says, Shalom Aleichem. I am God. I'll tell you something very interesting how Hashem introduced himself to Moshe. Never spoke to Moshe before that. Moshe was 80 years old. Hashem didn't speak to, Moshe didn't speak to Avraham Avinu until he was 75. So these were, these were, it's not like he found Hashem when he was three years old or four years old. So, <coughs> he's out there in the desert and Akash Baruch was telling him, go back to the people who hurt you. And he says, what are you talking about? They spoke Lashon Hara on me. I'm not going back. Hashem said, you got to go back to the people who hurt you. These are all, these are all traits of a leader. Even though they hurt you, you still have to help them. 
there was someone who hurt me big time very very big time and doesn't know that I know that they hurt me behind my back but I know there's no shy there's no question and they needed a lot of help with one of their relatives and they came to me figuring he doesn't know what we did behind his back on social network whatever we did to him so he'll help us now I knew so I have this guy sitting in front of me who killed me killed me in every which way that he could that I, I didn't go back to a country for years because I couldn't go back killed me and now he's sitting in front of me and he needs a big favor I know that he bad mouthed me and did very terrible things behind my back and now he needs a favor and I can get out of it I'm like what do I do here I'm not going to tell him that I know what he did that I wouldn't tell him but I can make an excuse I have, I have so much to do I'm really I'd love to help you but I can't do it right now and I had time to think about it and I said to myself you want to grow if you want to grow and you help people that you like that's not growth there's a, there's a bird that's not kosher you know what it's called chasida so Rashi asks why would you call a non-kosher bird chasida chasida means a chasid Rashi says because she only helps her men her species any other men she'll never share her food with she's a bird that only helps chasidas those birds that's a trafer bird the Torah says a bird that only helps its own your trafer Rashi that's Rashi Pashashmini so I said to myself if I ever have to help someone in this world I have to help him more than anyone else because I don't want to help him <laughs> other people I want to help that, that's you have to break yourself and that's how you grow the person that you that mamish makes you nervous and whatever it is that's the person you have to give same thing in shul I've talked about it many times there are people in shul collecting that in the middle of davening they stick their hands in front of my face I don't even know if they're Jewish people say they are Jewish they're not Jewish but it doesn't make a difference and there's this one guy I don't like him they say he steals from tzedakah boxes a lot of people don't give him whatever it is he's a ganef he's a this he's a that he comes to me in shul normally you give a quarter 50 cents he comes to me in shul I give him a dollar I don't give anyone else I give everyone else a quarter 50 cents because I don't want to give him I don't want to give you I don't like you I don't trust you a dollar is not going to change my life you don't give him a thousand dollars right I don't like you I don't trust you I don't want to give you give you a dollar that's how you grow give me people you like taking care of your people you like it's nice don't get me wrong you should do that that's good but when you know that someone bad mouthed you and then they need your help and they don't know that you know and you can help them you're ripping Shemayim so this happened here Hashem said Moshe Beno go back to Mitzrayim and help Christ. So Moshe Beno said what? Klaistral? I helped them once. They tried to get me killed. Shem said, that's going to make you a leader. You go back. If you go back and help the people who hurt you, then you're a leader. If you're willing to take someone else's pain and mamish, look at them. How would I even explain this to you? 
It's like with a shidduch. Like, like, you destroyed your own shidduch to make that, have a shidduch, and then you're single, and they're married, and you have to look at them every day for 80 years, and they're married, and they have kids, and the family, and that, and you're single because you sacrificed whatever for her to get a shidduch. You, you gave him your guy, whatever it is, like Rachli Menu, like Rachli Menu, right? Can you imagine 80 years looking at that girl? Her children, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you're still single? Shabbatim had saras. You're looking at, at, at Batya Basparo, she's, she's healed and I'm suffering? That's, that's what, that's, that's the makings of a leader, whoever in this room. It doesn't mean a leader, you have to be a leader, Moshe Beno. To be a leader in your own heart. That's how you grow. Help the person you don't like. That's how you grow, and you know what? It gets easier and easier. I once asked a guy to help me with money. And, he pretty much ripped me apart about what I do, whatever. And he says, I will never, my children will never need you. We'll never need Ornava, we'll never need what you do. Why should I give you money? And in my heart, I was like, God, teach him a lesson. Teach him a good lesson, not to talk that way. But I said, Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom, teach him a lesson. He's right, you should never need me. Oh, did he need me. Oh, four years after that, did he need me. Oh, was I there for him? It's not. It's not what it's about. You can't take it personal. You, 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 you want to do good. You have to do good. And the ones that that make you cuckoo, the ones that that, that, that don't help you, those are the ones you have to help. Not well. You didn't help me. I'm not going to help you. Just the opposite. So Moshe going back into Mitzrayim. Yet you don't understand the psychology. The more you learn the the shut them on on the whole on the, on the whole situation, he did not want to go back to Mitzrayim. He did not want to be there anymore. He did not want to have any part of it. He was away. He promised Yisrael, I'm not going to pull a Yaakov on you, that he did where he took up his kids and he left, you know, love on. I'm not going to do that. I am yours for the rest of my life. I'm not leaving. I'm yours. I'm going to work here. I want to be a shepherd. I want to be left alone. For him to go with a speech deficit, he could not talk. They didn't believe that Hashem ever met him in the desert. He, 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 he said, they're not going to believe me. And they didn't. And Hashem said, don't worry, I'm going to send the 70s of Canaan with you. You're not going to go alone. And every two steps, another one left. We got to Paro. He said, I'm here with my brother and my 70 elders. Hello? They're all gone. The Medjah said, they're all gone. It wasn't one of them left. He turned around. Hashem said, don't worry, you're not going to do this on your own. The Jews are going to be there for you. 70 guys. Right? He comes to Paro. Well, I'm here with my brother. And it was gone. So they got punished. Then when Hashem gave the Torah on Hasinai, Hashem said, none of the Zikanim can come, Aaron can come to the bottom part. No Zikanim can touch Hasinai. You guys disappeared when he needed you? Now? No. Because Hashem said everything, neither can I give me there. And what happens? Godless. What happens? I'm just trying to explain to you. And every one of you can be, can be a Moshe Rabbeinu, but you can be like a Moshe Rabbeinu. And every boy can, every man can be like a Moshe Rabbeinu. Listen to what happens. So, so, just think for a second. So Hashem's telling you, I'm God, I'm gonna take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, I got signs, I got a stick that turns into a snake, I got, I got saras, I, because leprosy is not something you can heal. I'm gonna show them leprosy, then you're gonna put it back in like a trick, you're gonna show them that, 
And then you're going to take water, it's going to turn it into blood, then you take the blood, turn it back into water, all the three shimanim, right? So Moshe's coming, and you're going to tell Paro, in my name, in my name, you came up, okay? Then we're taking out of the tribe. In walks Moshe Rabbeinu. He's already got all kinds of stuff. He told Hashem seven times, I'm not going. I stutter. I have a crack pad. I don't know how to speak. They're going to make fun of me. I don't want to go. The Jews are not going to believe me. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Then he finally comes to Paro. And he's like, in the name of God. Paro says, what God? Yudkevavke. Hold on. There's a book of God's. He opened up a book of God. He goes, listen, man, I don't know who you are. Coming out of the desert, Moses. Coming out of Midjah. I don't know who you are, what you are, what you want, but I don't have such a name in my book. So Moshe was coming in with Yudke Vavke. Paul's like, I never heard of you, Yudke Vavke. Really? I'll show you something, right? He throws down his stick. Here, check that out. Now, he's figuring, Hashem gave him this sign, right? This is it. He's got a sign. Paul's going to be like, oh, go, 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 right? I'm like, oh, really? We can do the same thing. They throw the stick down. Why not Shem give him a sign that the Khatumim can copy? Why don't he give him a sign that nobody in the world can, can copy? He throws down the stick and it turns into a snake. And then they throw down a stick and turn it into a snake. They're laughing. Oh, magic trick? We can do the same magic trick. Okay, his stick was a little better because his stick swallowed their sticks when they weren't snakes. Okay, you're a little bit better illusionist. But Hashem didn't give him something that just blew them away. All right, trick number two. I'll show you I have Hashem. I'm going to turn the water into blood. Really? We can do that too. So he's like, he's standing there and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm, they don't know Hashem. The stuff that I'm doing, they know how to copy, right? He's got to be a little bit disillusioned. But he has Hashem and he has a relationship with Hashem. He's like, okay, Hashem's going to take care of everything. Now imagine if you're the leader, you have all this stuff, you're going to take Kleistral out of, out of a land that no slave ever escaped alive. Okay? So you're coming into a place where they had such kishuf that no, and you're, and you're coming with Hashem, right? What, is, what happens? You, you, you tell them, free my people. What a test for a young leader who didn't want to do it all together. What happens? It says to Paro, send them out. This was the biggest test of all. So Paro says, we used to give you slaves straw to build the bricks. But now this guy Moses came. And he said that I should let the Jews out of Mitzrayim. Not only I'm not going to let you out of Mitzrayim, but no more straw. I'm not giving you any more straw. Nirpim. You're a bunch of... Nirpim. You're a bunch of lazy guys. You set this whole thing up because you don't want to work. I'll teach you a lesson. From now on, no straw. So now, you used to take the straw and make them bricks. Now you got to go into the fields. You're going to have to work much more. You're going to go into the fields and you got to cut the straw to make the bricks. So here comes Moshe, trying to make it easier for Kleistral. Hashem said he's going to send them out. Meanwhile, it backfired. So, Moshe turns to Hashem. He comes back to Hashem. He wasn't successful. 
The Jews are not let out of Mitzrayim. Just the opposite. It got a lot harder. Wouldn't you like leave the job at that point? I mean, God gave you signs. They didn't work. They copied them. Then you're like, okay, Hashem's going to, Hashem said he's going to take them out. Meanwhile, it backfired. He went to Paro. Paro said, oh, you want to go out? You're a bunch of lazy, no goodniks. From now on, you're going to work double. You're going to cut that. You're going to cut the straw to make the bricks. So now Moshe Rabbeinu came to Hashem, right? And he said, I, I don't understand what's going on. He said, Straight up, right? This is right at the end of the Pasha. Well, people don't learn this. And he said, why have you done this evil to the people? What did you send me for? You made it worse, Hashem. You sent me to make it better. I made it worse. He said, I don't understand. Listen carefully to what he's saying. I came to power and I spoke in your name from that time. He got a lot worse. Hashem, you didn't keep your word. Hashem, spoke for Klai Yisrael. It sounds like a lot of chutzpah. Can you imagine saying this to God? God, like, what's happening? You didn't keep your word. Things got worse. You never saved them. He's, he's tiny to Hashem. I don't understand. God, you just made things worse. You didn't save them. Moshe Benu always spoke for us. Even sometimes on a little bit of a chutzpah level. So he said to Hashem, what's the deal? You sent me, it got worse. You didn't keep your word. You said they were going to be saved. They weren't saved. Hashem said to Moshe Benu, you need to know what it means to be a leader. Another me that you have to have, girls, is patience. Not always because you daven right now, you're going to get your answer right now. There's a plan. So Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand that there's a plan. God said, you're going to go to Mitzrayim, you're going to tell power to send you out, and he's going to send you out. <coughs> but Hashem never said right away. The same mistake that Chava made. Hashem said, when you eat, if you eat from the tree, you will die. So the snake pushed her into the tree, and she did not die. Then she even ate from the tree, and she did not die. So she's like, wow, the whole thing isn't true. I'm going to give it to my husband. Hashem did not say, you will die on the spot. Hashem said, you will die. If you don't eat from the tree, you will never die. But she understood it as, I'm going to eat from the tree, I'm going to die. There are some girls that I deal with that are Machal Shabbos. And they said the first time I flipped on the light on Shabbos or turned on my phone, I didn't die. So the whole thing of being Mechal Shabbos, that Yechayim Misa, isn't true. Because if it was true, I would die on the spot. Nobody ever died from being Mechal Shabbos on the spot. Torah tells you Yechayim Misa. doesn't say when you touch the light you're going to die on the spot. Hashem wants to give you, give you a chance to do tshuva. Die on the spot. Unless you have who thought, I'm going to come in, Take, let the Jews out, and Paul's going to let the Jews out. So Hashem's last answer in the last passage of this week's parasha, Hashem and Hashem said to Moshe, You will see what I'm going to do to Paro. I will send them with a strong hand from Mitzrayim. And with a strong hand, I will drive them from his land. You're yelling at me, and you're screaming at me, and you're like, what happened to the saving? You didn't save them. Things got worse, Hashem said. It doesn't work that way. It's a process. 
We don't like to wait for the process to happen. But it's a process. You're going to ask them, he's going to make them take the hay. Then we're going to do the, 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 the we're going to do the ten makos. Then he's going to send you out, but then he's going to chase you. And it's going to all lead up to the total destruction of Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim was no more afterwards. Moshe Beno had to learn, he didn't understand that. He understood, we're going to go in front of Paro, Yud Kei let them go. Hashem said, relax. I will do what I promised you, but it is a process. Life is a process. The word God, the way God works is a process. So people become extremely impatient. And I daven today and, yet, and I don't have the million dollars tomorrow. There's a process that a Kodesh Baruch Hu, there's a process in life. And Moshe Rabbeinu learned this in this part. He thought he's going to walk in there with Hashem's name. Boom, bang. Power's going to go, get out of here. I'm scared of God. Have a good day. No, it got even worse. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But at the end of the end of the pasuk, Hashem is saying it will get better, and I will keep my promise. But there's a process to get to that point. The same thing with Mashiach. Mashiach is a process. The Afal Pishi Even though I'm waiting all this time, I still wait every day that he comes. Why are you waiting every day that he comes? If he didn't, if you're waiting and he doesn't show up, so maybe he won't show up. The answer is no, Animamim, I understand that there's a process for Mashiach to come. So even though he's not here, Apple Pishis Mamea, even though I'm waiting, he didn't come, I'm still waiting. Because I know at the end, we go So in the end, he's going to get them out of Mitzrayim. And that's a media that we have to learn as people. That there's a process. God has a process in what he does. It's not always immediate. Most of the time it's not immediate. Because there's a everything has to move in different directions Hashem makes things move in all kinds of directions yeah, yeah I know I, I know what you do from specifically we all want to get married, we all want to get married right away but sometimes it's just a process I, I, I have someone very close to me, his wife 13 years younger than him, he started dating when he was 20, she was 7 he, he was the best guy in Mir Yeshiva he was a tzaddik, and the Rosh Yeshiva didn't understand what's going on with this boy he went out with 90 girls. No, no one, everyone he liked didn't like him. Everyone that liked him, he didn't like. It was crazy. Right? The problem was that she was seven. And at 30, she was 17. So he was already 30. He wasn't married, but he was freaking out. Best guy in Yeshiva. How can he not be married? He's 30 years old. Can't find a shidduch. Straight guy. Didn't want anything. Right? What's going on here? And the answer is... And how he met, and how the mother met, and the should have happened, whatever it is, is that, yeah, when she was 18, she married him. He was 31. And there's no way he could have gotten married before that. Because she was a little kid. She was in high school. But did he know that? No. Did his parents know that? No. Did the Rebbeim know that? No. So everybody was going crazy. How could it be? Such a good boy. And the answer was, for whatever reason, she got born way after him. And he had to wait for her. And sometimes there are boys that are not finished products. And the girl's going on, she's going on. Finally, she gets married to this guy. But five years, five years before that, she would never even gone out with him. He was in a wholly different place. And the same thing with girls. Sometimes they're not in the place. Because Baruch was Mizavik Zvugim. He's the one who's Mizavik Zvugim. Again, it's easy for me to say I got married very young. And sometimes we do, we do not understand. We do not understand a lot of things. We don't understand a lot of things. There's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot, there's a lot of tzaddikim v'raloi. A lot of tzaddikim v'raloi. And there's a lot of risham v'tayvloi. 
Shem is a cheshbon. What is Ra in this world is Tev in that world. What is Tev in this world is Ra in that world. We don't understand. And if you ever think, if you, if you don't come to the conclusion in life that you don't understand, you're going to have a very tough life together with God. If you think you need to understand everything, you're going to have questions your whole life. Your goldfish doesn't understand much about you either. But he knows that you feed him and he knows that you take care of him and he knows that you change his water. He doesn't know what you got on your regions and he doesn't know a lot of other things about you. He knows what he needs to know. God lets us know what we need to know. And that's it. And what we don't need to know, he said it very clearly, for you to understand what I do, you have to be here from the day I create the world and live till the day I destroy the world or the end of the world or Mashiach comes. You see the whole movie, see the whole play, there's so much interaction, there's so many neshamas coming, going, all kinds of tikkunim, gulgulim, there's so much going on in the world, so at a certain point you have to sit back and say, Hashem God, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not godly, I don't have the brains, I don't understand, I trust you. I trust you, so when I, when I see good people suffer, I see a lot of good people suffer. If anyone would go off the deck, it would be me. I don't understand so much pain that I see. Doesn't make any sense at all. Not at all. The little young girls hurt by big bad people. Just, just so much pain. So much stuff. And if I didn't come to a point where Hashem, you're God. I'm not God. I, I just work here. I'm a worker. I'm glad to work for you. It's a big thing to work for the Melech. Oh my gosh. To be a shliach of the Melech? He picked, he picked you to do his work? Whew. It's the biggest thing. I mean, you're like, why do you do it? It's so much work. Why don't you just take it? I'm like, the king picked me or whatever. Somehow we got some kind of relationship here that I'm doing what I'm doing. Wow. Wow. Imagine the president called you and said, I want you to, to work for me. Everybody wants to work for the president, right? This is God. He's the creator of the world. So you don't ask questions. Oh, I have a lot of questions. Believe me, I, I don't understand anything. So my answer is, I don't understand anything. The answer to my question is, I don't understand anything. I don't. And what do you think you understand? Because it makes sense? You don't understand at all. The Raya, I'll close with this. The greatest Raya, okay, so anyway, we just to understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was, three months he had Saras, he cured somebody else, and he ended up getting their pain. He, he, was, he went through a very hard life. People badmouthed him. He went back to save those people. And you know what? His whole life, they bought Dasavavirab, his whole life, till Kairach, till they were swallowed into the ground, they did not leave him alone. They did not leave him alone. And he saved them. He saved them. What was I saying? Um, I wanted to end with a thought. I lost a thought. Why don't I go back there? Help me out here, crowd. Where was I, what was I just saying? You're all sleeping. What's going on here? Hello, wake up. I wanted to end with, a, with something. Okay, Baruch Hashem, ADD medicine is working. Um, so, I wanted to tell you, the, the one thing we understood and made sense was totally wrong. So even the things that you think are, you understand, you can be totally wrong. What is the best example from the Torah that's something that everyone was sure they were right about, they were absolutely wrong about? Huh? No, they're wrong about Chedei. Rus. So listen to this. Rus Boaz was the Shofite. Kleisrol believed that you cannot marry, the Torah says Moavi, a man. Kleisrol believed you cannot marry a man or a woman from Moab. 
So, most of Klai Yisrael held, you cannot be Megayar, you can't have a Ger from Moab. Okay? Fine. Along comes Boaz. He's the Shofet. So he's the head of Bezdin. Boaz says, you're wrong. Moavi, a man, you can't marry, can't become a Ger, but Moavis, a girl from Moab, she can become a Ger. He Paskin, in Bezdin, Rus, who's a Moavia, can become a Ger. In fact, I'm going to marry her. Okay? Everyone's like, Plony Almoni, who was the first one to, was Machayev to marry her, he said, I don't want anything to do with this woman, because in the end, it's going to be, you're not allowed to marry a Moavis, and my children will be Mamzerim, and I don't want any part of this. So he handed off, he said, Boaz, you want to do it? You can marry her. And everyone in class was like, Boaz was like Rav Chaim Kaninevsky. Boaz was the Golo Hadar. We're talking about the Golo Hadar. Rus was this Giyoyris from Moab who already killed her husband. Her husband married her and died, right? So like, hello, it's not so posh it. Already one Jewish man died because he married her. Boaz says, they're all wrong. I'm like, I paskin, you'll let her marry Moavia, and I will marry her. And all the Jews are like, Mah. You're the girl Hadar. You shouldn't do this. God's going to punish you. This is not a girl for you. This is a Moavia. She's Tameh. She's Asr. She's... He goes against everybody. And he marries her. And the next morning, he's dead. He married her that night. The next morning, he was dead. Christ was like, we told him not to marry a Moavia. God, because he's such a big tzaddik, God's very hard on tzaddikim. God didn't even wait a day. He got married and he died. So by the Leviah, the next day, everyone's like, oh my gosh, Tony Amoni, Tony Amoni was walking around. See? Saved my life and my children. I would have been dead in the morning because God doesn't let this happen. So it's a beautiful medrash. So everyone's walking, you can imagine Lush and Hara that was going on that day. Can imagine what was going on in Lush and Hara that day? We told him not to do it. He married a low-life Moavia. This is what happened. God punished him right away. He punished him so we could all see that it's not allowed. Oh, the blogging. Woo! The blogging all over the place. The place, the social network was going crazy. Blogs and newspapers and, and, and alamices and uh, all kinds of newspapers. Look what happened. Uh, he, he really messed up. Meanwhile, says the Medrash, but in Shemayim, Hashem said to his Malachim, Baruch Hashem, that I kept Boaz alive long enough to bring the seed of David HaMelech into the world, which in turn will bring Mashiach. So now, if a bunch of idiots walking by a Leviah, Oh my God, what a terrible guy. Look what he did. He married a low-life Moavia. She punished him. He taught us all a lesson. Oh, why did he listen to us? They're all screaming. And Shemayim, they're like, we only kept him alive so that he could be with Rus, so that he could bring David HaMelech and Mashiach into the world. They were so wrong. The human being who was so... How could you be wrong? I would have thought the same thing. Rabbi marries, eh? Rabbi's dead in the morning. God didn't like what he did. I would have said the same thing. And Shemayim, they're like, no, he was supposed to die a long time ago. We le- left him live long enough to be with Rus because that's where Mashiach is supposed to come from. 
So when you think it's clear, this is exactly what I, I understand what Hashem's doing, wrong. Wrong. You never understand what Hashem's doing. Moshe Benu had to have that lesson when he started being the leader. So Hashem purposely made it harder. He's coming. I'm going to take the Jews out. Power's like, you're a bunch of lazy bums. Not only are you not taking them out, I'm going to make it much harder. What did the Jews say? What did the Jews say? Who asked you to come here? Who needs you? Stay in the desert. You come down here, and talk to you. You're a leader. Look what you did. I used to have to work 18 hours a day. Now i got to work 21 hours a day. Go home. Hashem said, Moshe, relax. There's a plan. I made it, I made it that they make you work harder. There's a plan to this whole thing. And he accepted that and stayed as the leader. And that's what made him the leader. Tzadik Viraloi, Rosh of it's not our business. It's not our question. You have to be willing to help another Jew, even if it's going to cost you what you have. In other words, that I'm going to lose out by helping that other person doesn't make a difference. I might even suffer by helping that other person. Doesn't make a difference. And you know what? If you want to be a leader, you have to suffer. Sometimes to do good for someone else. That's called, that's called my nefesh. I'm giving you from my nefesh. From my nefesh, not neshama. It's not, it's not moist neshama, it's moist nefesh. Nefesh is life. Nefesh is the, is the, is the part of you that's alive. I'm giving from my life to somebody else. So may we all be zaycha to see God's final plan come to fruition. Thank you. Have a good night. And uh, we expect to see everyone by the Ornava Shabbaton. You can go online and, 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 and what to call it, sign up tonight. And if you don't have an iPhone, Baruch Hashem, you can call in 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.